James. Hey, Duncan. How are you? Oh, well, I'm, I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. Um, this is the second start to this because, yeah, this is James, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on holidays and so I'm on holidays and I forgot to hit the record button. So we did the first part of it not recorded. Um, so we get to have a second crack at this. Um, welcome to Cloud Streaks, which is a podcast where James and I talk about a topic. Today's topic is Eastern versus Western parenting. Um, and this is quite interesting because um, there's quite a bit of data around, at the very least, the academic outcomes um, of Eastern versus Western approaches. And I think you can relate a lot of Eastern versus Western to, we'll call them more traditionalist versus more progressivist approaches inside, say, Western countries. Um, and you see different schools take quite different approaches. Um, and I think, um, yeah, that most people don't take a, a proactive approach to thinking about what type of parent they want to be. They're just kind of trying hard. And as an example, like, you know, Western parenting is what the vast majority of my parent, our friends are doing. They don't necessarily, it's like, it's like a unknowing fundamentalists is what um, a friend of mine calls this. They, they have adopted an ideology without even knowing that they've adopted an ideology. Um, so that's where, and they believe it's true, like big time. <laughs> and they're trying to do a good job of it. But sometimes the ideology is actually like what you think of North isn't North. And so, so if you only have one approach, like this is the only way we do, you know, helping children. This is the only way we do behavior management. This is the only way we help with academics. Then it might not, might not actually be a good way, <laughs> uh, but they haven't ever considered more than one way. And so this could hopefully be a bit of fun. Yeah. So uh, what I think will make for a very interesting conversation is like coming back to like the starting point of this topic, which is looking at the distinction between East and Western parenting styles, is this is like the, the, the meta narrative here is like, what do we consider to be good parenting or what do, what do we think we should consider when we embark upon the, uh, you know, the journey that is parenting per se? And this is just one particular lens. I don't think this is going to be a conversation necessarily about this is what good parenting is and it's Eastern or it's Western, but using <laughs> Eastern versus Western um, like attributes as one way of looking at how you can potentially parent differently, I think is a really interesting um, uh, exercise. Uh, the other aspect is what is the rubric that we would like to use as a form of measure for deciding what constitutes good parenting? I think mm. it's very difficult thing to define what we have here and what I think I don't actually <laughs> well, here's the thing I think um, like just picking from your um, what you referenced earlier is one of the rubric is educational results right so that is academic results yeah, yeah. academic results uh, and that is certainly not to be um, dismissed but I also would posit that it is not the be all and end all of how you would measure uh, effective parenting or not. I definitely agree. It's not the be all and end all. Um, but of the studies that they've done, and there's lots on this, improved academic results, and they can be on things like A-levels in the UK or HSC, VCE in you know, New South Wales or Victoria, or you know APs in um, the US, as an example. Um, there isn't a downside on average to doing better. So the students that do better on average earn more better life satisfaction, live longer, better, not just lifespan, but better health span, you know, et cetera. So there's literally no downside. So improving academic results on average has no downside. Um, so to me, um, when you look at the good schools uh, and how they're operating, 
I don't believe that you can say a school is operating well if it's not doing well academically. Now, to me, this again is not the only thing, but I think it is objective, as in the numbers can be measured objectively. And it is the best overall north for things. It is not the only thing. So for instance, you do want you know good relationships, you do want extracurriculars and other stuff, but those things normally come along with academics. Mm. So it's very, very rare. Um, in fact, I'm unaware of you know this, that you have a school that is doing well academically and that there's nothing else, you know, at the expense of everything else. Everything else is bad. Um, and so to me, one measure for, for parenting, certainly not the only one, but is, you know, to try to, you know, help your children get a good start to life. And the best objective measure that I can see for that is how students do at the end of school academically. It's not the only one, but it's the best summation. And it's it, I'm unaware of a school which does well academically and has poor extracurriculars as an example. So to me, I think this is a good way to calibrate uh, what you are hoping to do. Right. So, like, let's go down this road and, and, and see where it leads us. But <laughs> what I think is really important to keep in mind is that at the very beginning um, of how we distinguish Eastern versus Western parenting styles is that I think it's, it's pretty clear that the Eastern form of parenting places a very high value on education. Like, Mm -hmm. probably the highest possible value. Whereas in Western style parenting, uh, it's not necessarily the case. It's more of a, a, a full, you know, what's well-rounded or just like, it's one of the many elements that is considered when parenting. So already, if we're gonna use academic results as the barometer, Western style parenting is on the back, back foot because by definition, Eastern style parenting considers academic, academic achievement as the, the measuring stick for how successful you are as a parent. Well, that's, that's interesting, right? And so all else equal, um, do you think, so, but this is the thing, like Western parenting has changed um, over the years. So if you look through the generation, so there was a bigger focus, you know, one of the things talking about, you know, Protestant work ethic um, and, you know, where these things came from. So to me, the single largest differentiator, academic outcomes is quantity times quality. And there are quality differences, but it's actually quite rare in my experience um, the major differentiator in academic outcomes when you finish school at, say, age 18 is some or cumulative sum of quantity. The people that do better have done more quantity. And we sort of talked about this before, like, if you're playing a video game and you've played for 100 hours and your friends played for 500 hours, on average, the person who's played for 500 hours is much better, right? And that's like, there's the game of, you know, English, maths, science, et cetera, right? Um, there's also the game of called emotional self-awareness, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, friendship, you know, pro-social behaviors. Um, and so to me, a good work ethic is something that they don't believe, there's no evidence that this is like inherited, like this is a personality trait. There are certain personality traits, but in you know, a work ethic isn't one, is actually, I think, one of the most important things that you can have, give to your children, um, a strong work ethic. And all else equal, the Asian kids aren't working the same, doing the same quantity, you know, say in what Australia, we're from Australia, than the Western parents, maybe we can just isolate down. It's like, I think all else equal, would you prefer your kids to do well academically than not well? I, I, I think the answer is yes. And then what is that the, the best known hack? Quantity. <laughs> but that's also called work ethic. Like I think you've seen this. The people that are doing well, you know, from a you know, job perspective or career perspective are normally those working harder. Like, I don't know people this. And so I'm not saying you need to be the world's hardest working person, but you do, I think, want to instill a good work ethic. Um, and that's 
I think, you know, they're like, oh, well, Eason parents are like, well, no, if the kid doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, uh, work ethic and what they want to do. Like, should they, I think, hopefully go in a career direction they want to go in? Yes. Should they also hopefully work hard? Yes. Those two aren't mutually exclusive. Right. But um, so, unfortunately, there is something here that's zero sum, and that is what time you spend in doing in your childhood, right? And so, uh, one of the, the elements that we, you know, come across regularly when trying to distinguish Eastern from Western parenting is that you hear a lot about Eastern parents not allowing for the child to have typical childhood experiences like playing with their friends, um, going to school plays, going for sleepovers, all of these other kind of facets where they say like, you know, any time that you're spending not focusing on instilling a good work ethic, it's time wasted. Um, and this might be a more extreme view held by, you know, like the tiger mums of uh, the Eastern world, but this is something that seems to be occurring regularly. So it's about, in my view, what is the trade-off that you're making by going all in on just instilling a good, strong work ethic in your child versus having a well-rounded childhood where there's that element of play, where that element of socializing and that element of other like activities that you could factor in as well. Well, it's sort of interesting, like, you can call it like what you want. Like, so a lot of Western parents, they'll be doing extracurriculars. So you're doing swimming, you're doing, you know, some sort of sport, like, I don't know, netball, you know, you're doing musical instruments often, right? They're taking you to the play. Um, and so um, often from the age of three, they're doing two or more extracurriculars. And by the time they hit school, they're doing more than that. Um, one of the differences I'd say is that for Easterners, almost always one of those extracurriculars is academic. Whereas Westerners, they might be doing three to five, but normally, say, primary school, it isn't one of them academic. So to me, this is not like you should never go and learn how to swim or you're not allowed to play sport, you know, um, or no hang out with your friends. Um, to me, like, if you want more than average, you've got to do more than average. Well, that's an absolute statement. On, you know, um, the quantity, what... One of the best ways to do more, better than average is to do more quantity than average. You've got two options, quality better or quantity better. Ideally, you do both. Um, but honestly, the quality doing better is so rare. <laughs> um, you know, and anyways, um, so to me, I don't, like I think probably what you get to is like some sort of middle balance. But another one is just we talk about like follow your passions. I, mean, I, th I think we sort of talked about this in the past. I don't think that really exists. Um, and I've written a blog about this. Your passions are built. Passions are not born. Um, and so normally a passion is something you're interested in. And normally you're interested in something that you know more about. You don't come out knowing anything about anything. You don't know lots about ballet or lots about basketball or lots about science. You learn. Um, it's not like you uncover one day a passion. It's like, that's what I used to think. I've got to find my passion. This is like, to me, a, a, literally a furphy, like a, a Western indoctrination that is a counterproductive thing. So to me, I suppose... My main point there would be, I do think that you should be having academics as one of the things that you are helping your children with. And you should be proactive about this, in my opinion, from birth. And that one of the, the um, extracurriculars that you should have your children doing is an academic one, not the only one. So we're talking like one hour a week extra from, say, prep to year four. Not every waking hour, one hour a week on top of school. Um, and for most Westerners, it's zero. And I don't think that makes sense. All right. So we're, we're going from the uh, Eastern versus Western parenting style cultures into Duncan's own ballad of the <laughs> Duncan dad or whatever you want to call it. So why don't we... Daddy um, Duncan. 
<laughs> Why don't we go back to you've, you've written out like a list of uh, yeah. let's call them dimensions or what have you, and, and then how we distinguish between Eastern and Western. And I think this this whole idea of like, well, is it binary or is there some kind of balance that you want to try and strike between the two, or is it leaning towards one or the other? And we can try and use those as a focal point of the of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Rock and roll. All right. So the first one, I like. I don't know if there's more about education focus that we want to try and like unpack here, but um, I think that just to lay the groundwork, Eastern, it seems quite clear that there's a strong emphasis on academic achievement and respect for authority, whereas in Western, it's the education is more of a balanced mix between extracurriculars, encouraging creativity and individual interests. So Duncan's been quite clear on this. Well. If I if I may try to paraphrase, it's about having a good worth ethic, and by instilling a good worth ethic, that leads to good academic results. Where maybe the Western parenting is not as focused on the academic result as it is on focusing on having a more well-rounded experience during your childhood when it comes to education. Would you think that'd be fair? Yeah. So the, um, there are ten points that ChatGPT has spat out. Um, so what the first one is education focused and it's talking about Eastern versus Western. And, you know, I think ChatGPT is like a reasonably good average of what the internet says is the case. <laughs> uh, and sometimes I think that what the internet says is a good reflection of reality, right? And other times, you know, what people say and what actually happens are not the same thing. So there's like distortion, right? Um, and it'll pick that up. Like it'll pick up the distortions. So it's not necessarily the reflection of truth. It's a reflection of what people think the truth is. Um, so if we go to the education focus, yeah, I think it's quite reasonable to say that the Eastern parents have a higher focus on academics. And I think maybe through all these things, what ends up coming out is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, so, so to me, um, I think that you should have a proactive approach to helping your children with academics. Um, and I would take this as the most important component of parenting. Um, and that I think that, you know, the outcome of your children's academic things, oversimplification is the school bell curve times, say, you, you want to be a top 10 percentile parent, then your children should hopefully get in the top 10 percent. The, the child will be like top 1 percent to top, you know, to 20 percent. So they're kind of like 10 percent either side. Um, and so to me, yeah, I do think that a higher focus or a stronger focus on academics than the average Western parent has is important, but certainly should not be the only thing that happens. Two examples of this, high expectations. Uh, so this has been shown to be very important in academic research. That low expectations bad, high expectations good, unrealistically high expectations bad. And a lot of Western parents, they try to lower the expectations to zero. They also think that people are born smart or dumb. And it just happens that maybe you're smart at you know, science and dumb at English or something. And there's no real evidence of this um, from my have done a podcast on this. So to me, I think the better balance is that you have high expectations that they will try, that they will work hard. Um, and that they can, if they do the quantity, get themselves into the top 10%. It's not the only thing you do, but mm. you shouldn't have like, I don't know, three sporting extracurriculars a week and zero academic extracurricular. Mm. Okay, so maybe another way of putting this is, what do I think are the distinguishing features of um, parenting styles when it comes to education? What I think is distinguishing for Eastern is that it is education to the detriment of everything else. Right. I think that's an over. That is pushing well, it too well, far, Jack. Well, I'm trying to find a way to create a distinction. Right? Well, so I would, I would put it, look at the opposite. Like, 
I think that Western parenting is almost like let's look at Australia. We are extraordinarily outperformed in sport. You know, whether it's you know at the Olympics getting far more medals per capita than we actually have. You know, um, so if you, I think the way to look at it is not like well, the US has whatever fifteen times the population of Australia, so they should get fifteen times the medals or per capita, right? Um, but they don't, um, and so we are super proud of this. We spend a lot of government money. We spend a huge amount of extracurricular time on kids doing this. But we don't have, in my opinion, anywhere near the same high-performance academic culture as we have a high-performance sports culture. And this is very Western. Um, and so I think that all else equal in Australia, we would want to keep a high-performance sport culture, but we can also have a high-performance academic culture. And to me, like, no-brainer. <laughs> but we just, we just don't. Um, and so to me, that should shift. So it's not to the expense of... I think, frankly, Western parents, on average, are significantly under-investing in what the optimal. Let's just say there's like, I don't know, too much and too little. It's like a happy medium. And I think perhaps sport is solid in Australia, whereas academics is significantly under. And maybe the Asian one on average is, is academics is solid, but sports is under. I don't think it has to be a trade-off. Like, we're talking about doing three to five extracurriculars, say, in, yeah, in yeah. junior well, school. Yeah. I think you're already at the point where what is optimal? And that's great. Like, let's let's try and get there. But I want to try and make it clear, like, if if it's if it's the same understanding you have is we're trying to understand Eastern versus Western approaches to parenting, and then we can say what does optimal look like, right? So for me, like, we need to put them. Well, I think we can try and put them on a spectrum, and so maybe education is a detriment of all else is too extreme. So maybe it's about saying, well, on the Eastern end of the spectrum education is kind of like in the primary seat of what like, is the primary focus of parenting and if you go through the western end of the spectrum it's more of a balanced mix of everything possibly unbalancing how much well like it's just treating education as on more of an equal footing with other aspects and then what we say is do we think it's one extreme or the other or do we think it's somewhere in the middle and what i think you're saying is well Western culture is much more uh, focused on extracurricular and sports and those kind of activities. And from what I hear you're saying is we could actually bring this closer towards the Eastern philosophy of putting more emphasis on education itself and then build it from that way, but with, without having to go all the way to the Eastern extreme. Are you, like, would you posit that it's better to try and distinguish whether we think one is more superior than the other, or do we think it's worth us going somewhere in the middle and saying this is the optimal relay? Yeah, look, from my perspective, um, I think that the average Western uh, approach is significantly under on what the optimal amount of focus on education is. Mm -hmm. um, and so to me, it's not like, so is the average Easterner above? I don't have a strong view on that. I would say it, it feels about right. <laughs> I'm sure some of them overcook it, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, to me, I think the average Westerner is, is significantly under and that shooting. And, and what I was putting forward is high expectations, strong work ethic, and one extracurricular a week from start of school is a good balance to me. So to, to me, I think you should be aiming for your kids to be in the top 10% academically. And this is not because they're born smart or dumb. It's because they've done top 10% quantity. <clears throat> there are no shortcuts I'm aware of. <clears throat> and this, I think, is a really nice lesson. It's like, if you do the work to be good at sport, you can be good at sport. 
you know? Also, there are some of them where, like, I don't know, shot put, you know, this is or, or 100 meter running. Like, it's, it's almost entirely biology. But for the ones where it's, you know, brain based, like, it's not the fastest rider or the strongest, it's the best at AFL. You know, it's, it's the sort of, you know, the way they can think about it, right? Um, and that, so to me, the Western parents, um, I think it's significantly under here. Um, Eastern parents appear to be much closer to the balance from an academic perspective. Should there be well-roundedness? Yeah, sure. Um, but like, it's not so much about the Easterners coming on the academic front to me, to the Westerners. It's more about the Westerners coming to the Easterners. <laughs> so mm -hmm. top 10% work ethic, um, extracurricular from the beginning. And then also thinking about what is growth mindset and what is, you know, anxiety, um, which I think, uh, both important components to get that right. And I'm, I'm happy to move on to the next one if you want to hear, James, which we talked yeah, about. Sure. Yeah. All right, so let's go on to the next one, which is discipline. All right, so again, this is what ChatGPT provided uh, Duncan when asked to, to, I guess, list the top 10 things in which you can find a distinction between Eastern and Western uh, parenting philosophy. Mm. So Eastern dis discipline is more strict, greater emphasis on obedience and conformity to family and societal expectations. Whereas Western is more flexible, focusing on reasoning with the child, understanding their perspective. So I would say that's a fair summary. Or like that's mm. a summary that um, is definitely workable. Um, and so like for me, I definitely like using anecdotes as a data point here, uh, identify more with the Western aspect of discipline, which is more, um, something that I've spoken to Duncan about in the past, which is, um, you know, natural consequences as a way of helping to discipline your children as opposed to punitive punishment uh, and using reasons or reasoning as a way of instilling that sense of discipline in the child rather than just like blind um, obeisance and, uh, you know, using a cudgel to put them into conformity. I agree. But I, I think um, <laughs> that what I would describe as worse than is there's no structure. It's chaos. Mm. Um, there is either nothing or every now and then, you know, um, arbitrary punishment, not effective consequences. Um, and so to me, what you, you see from the pro full West of the thing is like, you should have restorative justice at school. So there are no things. And you see this in the US, like um, we want to get rid of prisons. We want to get rid of people with sentencing because that's making it bad. It's like, well, if there are no downside consequences for criminals, and they've tried this in a number of like, you know, the more blue leading states, well, part of this is defund the police and crime goes up, not down, right? And they try the same things in schools. We're getting rid of detentions. We're getting rid of, you know, suspensions. We're getting rid of all these things. And it's just like, well, you, you know, hit so-and-so. Now let's have a discussion. Let's talk about it. Say you're sorry. And that, cool. So there's no thing. And so then they get worse behavior. So to me, again, this is perhaps, I think they're almost all these things are slightly false dichotomies. There needs to be a system <laughs> of rules and those rules can be negative some or positive some, so they need to either be positive some, and you need to explain why they are in the best interest of that person and in the common good, or selfless and selfish. Mm. And I don't think that that's done necessarily well, but the vast majority um, of, so, that, so the, the stats that I've seen, 75% of schools in Australia, classrooms in Australia, in most countries, like they, they don't know how to do behavior management, the teachers. So there isn't a, this is not Western, or it is Western, <laughs> independence, it's just chaos. There's, so can you imagine if there are no police, there are no judges, there are no, you know, courts um, and no jails. Do you think we would have crime up higher? Sure. Can you over-criminalise? Sure. Um, but to me, the average Western family, again, is significantly under on where things are and the kids are running around, the parents and them are fighting, they're fighting with their siblings, you know, they're not listening, blah, blah, blah. And that's not just seen as, you know, I don't think people enjoy it as much, but it's actually seen as like fine-ish. 
And I'm like, no one would think that you should run a country this way. <laughs> you know, the countries that are kind of run like that, it's, it's chaos. Um, and so to me, I, I think I'm more on the easy thing. It's like, in, you know, here, there is rules. They are talked about and they are enforced. It's not just you need to figure it out. You need to learn how to self-navigate. You're a six-year-old. Like, what do you know? Yeah. So, like, do you not think, though, that, like, all of these things that you've been uh, discussing with the, you know, abolishment of, uh, you know, prisons, you know, cardinal law, all of those kind of things, is not a subset of Western culture and the more progressive element of Western culture rather than Western culture as a whole? Because if you go to more conservative, you know, places in Europe, more conservative places in the US, uh, I don't think you will struggle to find a lot of structure around, you know, things like disciplinary action, things around like how do you actually treat criminals? I think it's more of a, a, a symptom of what we're seeing in the, you know, in the more progressive culture where people are trying to, you know, play with this idea of like, you know, you know, no, defunding the police and no more prisons and no more all of these kind of like very, mm. very um, extreme ideologies kind of thing. Where I, I don't think they are extreme because they're implemented in many, many like schools in Australia and many, many cities in the US, like Portland, et cetera, right? Yeah. Chicago, Australia you know. is a drop in the ocean of the OECD. Um, no, no, but what I'm talking about, like, it's like this is not so fringe as to not be like, you know, there are very, you know, this is not like, oh, there's one school. I'm not going to name names right now, but there are plenty of very big, reputable government schools, like the most well-known in Victoria, implementing uh, what I consider to be hardcore progressivist approaches, like yeah. ungrading, you know, the, the, there is no, um, you know, suspension, other stuff. Sure. And, it, yeah. So let, so let me posit to you then, like, that is Western discipline done poorly. At least yeah. you and I would, would think that. But if you were to imagine being uh, focusing on reason and understanding individuals' perspective done well, do you think that would be a more effective way of discipline than being um, focused on obedience and conformity done well, which is what you would see as the, the more Eastern approach? If you take it from, sort of from that, but like to me, and maybe this is always in the middle, it's like, reasoning understanding the child's perspective like what this is going to say to me is that there need to be consequences like if you whatever are playing with your sibling and you mess up you know the play then you're not allowed to play for a period of time mm -hmm. or, or whatever else it is not just like why did you do that okay okay and so what i personally think i see is that the average western approach is far too flexible <laughs> to the point of there being almost no rules or that if there are any they're variable you know, tomorrow it's different to today or later today sort of thing. Mm. And so more discipline is net net. Like there's an over, uh, on average, that we have moved from, I don't know, more discipline in the West to less discipline over the last, say, you know, two generations. With regards to discipline, what I think is um, is important, and you, uh, you hinted at this earlier, is the idea of structure versus chaos. And it seems like, to me, the Western approach to discipline it's much more difficult to create, you know, a reliable and consistent structure around how you discipline children when it's more focused on being nuanced and reasoning, as opposed to this uh, this focused on very very rigid forms of obedience and conformity. It's easier to create the structure around that. And so, while I think 
there is a lot to be said about the Western approach because I do personally believe in things like natural consequences. I also... But I don't think that's necessarily Western. So okay. to, but, to me, I would say that that is good practice and that the average Western approach doesn't... doesn't I've never heard of that. Okay. They've never even heard of natural consequences. Right. So, if, But I would say that would be one or two levels down from reasoning in terms of like how do you approach discipline. What I wanted to get to was that I can at least... Um, uh, accept that it is harder to create structure and consistency when you are focused on discipline in this particular Western approach. And so it is more likely to be done poorly, or I think it can then lead to it being more likely to be done poorly. I don't mind this. Uh, so we, we, like, the first thing I would say is like, James has two girls, like nine and six, is that right? Or eight and six? Eight and six, yeah. Um, um, and um, I think... Um, they're like I only see them like once or maybe twice a year, and perhaps they're on their best. Part of year when I'm this is not what they're like. We're not, but they're lovely and they're really like wonderful people. Very you know nice and hello and other things. So I think the behaviour, if you want to call it this, or discipline, you know, which is sort of referred to as here, behaviour management would be the word that they would normally use for schooling mm -hmm. uh, from a, from a, like a teacher you know student perspective is exemplar like i think that, you know, some of the best you know if not the best like i, I you know, i'm not like i'm sort of some scorecard but like of you know parents that i've seen and i going around to um you know i visit families um like sort of once a week <laughs> um and there is a very broad spectrum <laughs> and so i think that this is an area that that at least from my perspective you've done very very well as a parent um if you want to talk about so a natural consequence i think is considered best practice but there is also like so for instance uh you know if they haven't mean whatever um play with the toys like, you know i mean you saying this like if you don't clean up after playing with the toys that i'll clean up and i'll put them somewhere you can't reach them because you know you're at tall adults and they're small child or whatever and so there are natural consequences so that's a, that's a form whereas some of them would they don't do that right mm -hmm. so to me um maybe there's like discipline natural consequences where there are certain things which happen that are bad. You also are talking to them about what, what are the principles here and they know ahead of time. They don't just find out after the fact, arbitrary, you know, bang, or, and you don't explain. But so the, but a lot of places, they don't explain, they don't do anything. So yeah, I think doing very well here. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but like, we can kind of say like, where are they performing academically, your children? Well, so at the school they go to, they get marked on a different like grading system where it is, uh, you know, you go from dissatisfactory to highly satisfactory to outstanding. So you can probably okay. overlay that on the, um, the the A to F scorecard. And then there's a similar on effort, right? So like, are they putting in a little effort or are they putting in a lot of effort? Um, I won't go into the specifics, but I would say that we're pretty happy with how they are doing academically at this point. Okay, so my thoughts would be top 10% is the bar. Yeah. Which is the, which is the top highest one. Anything yeah. less than that equals work harder. <laughs> or like, you know, you know, like to me, you know, area of focus. Yeah. So, I mean, like this is obviously taking a little bit of a sidetrack from what we see Eastern versus Western into James's own parenting style. But, but this is like the, the end outcome to me. Like, so if, if your kids are hating school, then you're, something to do with your parenting is up. Now, obviously, there's partially the school, partially the you know, teachers, partially the child. But at the age, you know, this, I think, um, you know, uh, there are awful schools, actually. There, there literally are. I've, I've been to some. And 
so this is an oversimplification. There. At some schools, at every school I've ever been to, and I've probably been to more than 100, there are some kids having a good time, some kids are having a good time. At a good school, the percentage of kids are having a good time is like 5%, 95% are having a good time. It's oversimplification, right? But at a bad school, maybe 10 or 20% having a good time. And, you know, literally a school down the street, that might be 50, 60. <laughs> you know, so if your kids are at a school where 80% are having a bad time, change school. <laughs> like as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so anyways, go on. Yeah. The one thing, so like, again, jumping across to a new branch uh, to talk about the the article written by the tiger mom, um, mm -hmm. you know, which is why Chinese mothers are superior. The one thing that I will um, give way to, or at least that I, I do think is there's a lot of um, uh, credence there, is the idea that the better you become at something, the more fun it can be, or the more rewarding it is. Mm. And so I think for a lot of people, sure, you know, school or academics might suck because, well, you haven't put enough effort into it for you to be able to get good at it, mm. um, is a consideration. I think instilling that ethic alone is wildly valuable to children. And the example that like the anecdotal example I can give is like, so my eldest actually goes out and buys NAPLAN books. Like I'm I'm not like secretly going, you need to go and buy this so that you can be a good student. It's like, let's go to a news agency, let's go get an activity book, and then we'll go home and we'll we'll work on it. And she actually says, like, you know, what is this? And I said, like, that's NAPLAN, that's what they test students on in grades three, five, and seven, or whatever they are. And she's like, Can I get this? I'm like, sure. Okay. Well, just and, an aside, James, um, I don't know which NAPLAN books you're buying, but there are good ones and bad ones. Um, and they, <laughs> so, so not all, not all are equal. Um, well, I get different in, ones. And I, I think no, that's, that's not, that's just like saying like, say VCE practice exams. This is, this is something that like, there are good ones and bad ones. It's not like all of them are equal, right? And the best ones are the actual past VCE exams, mm -hmm. right? And so up until 2016 or something, they released the NAPLAN uh, tests for free online. Mm. So I would just go and print those bad boys off because I don't know which ones you're buying, but some of them will be so bad that they are not helpful. Does that make sense? So yeah, makes sense. the quality, the quality of what you're buying obviously is important. The highest quality are the past ones. Those are free online up to a certain year and they stop releasing them. I don't know the reason they stopped releasing them. In my opinion, that's um, not uh, a good thing for education, but you know, hey, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't run the rules. Right. But without digressing too much, the point is, that mm. in these books, and so we also bought one for our younger um, daughter, who's only six, so she's only about to go into grade one. Mm. So th there are similar books where she can start learning at the, the year level, year one level um, curriculum. But in these books, what we um, what we take away from there is that they do the same problem up to ten times, and so they really struggle on doing the, pro the the problem the first one or two times, but then. So I'll help them out first one or two times. And then they will kind of like take, you know, a little bit more initiative on the second or third time. And then by the time they get to the fifth to the tenth time, they're doing it themselves. And they're actually enjoying it. So the whole point of it is that this is a micro anecdotal example of when you struggle with something up front, it's really, really hard for them to be engaged. But if you stick with it and you say, like, let's just go through this one or two or three more times, and then you'll get the hang of it. And when they get the hang of it, they actually start to enjoy it. That was the only kind of like point I was making. Okay. And we're going to get deep into what education stuff is here, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, um, go, let's go back to. Well, I did, 
Yeah, I mean, like, what I would say, oh, this is going to start to be, look, over, overall, like, there's, 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 like, we'll call this education stuff and there's entertainment stuff. Education, like maths, you know, whatever, science, you know, entertainment, like board games, you know, Nintendo, right? And so the outcome that you want for education is achievement. So if you achieve, i.e. you understand, then you are engaged. The outcome that you want from entertainment is enjoyment. If you enjoy playing Mario Kart, then you are engaged. And so the, the key thing that you are looking for is different. And kids know this from, from very young. So if they can't achieve, i.e. understand the math problem, to put it your previous one, then they don't engage. Now, do they want to do education all day, every day? I don't know a single child that does. <laughs> um, but if their achievement isn't there, then then they're struggling. So maybe this is a good way of looking at it. Um, <laughs> okay. Parenting, the outcome of parenting. Some of these things are objective. Like, um, you know, it's not open for debate. But if they don't look forward to school, then you need to change something, either the way that you're parenting or the school. Um, and sometimes there are very bad schools, right? If they don't have any friends, now sometimes kids get picked on, like in a school, like, and then they get ostracized, um, then you need to change the school or change the way you're parenting. Because, um, you know, learning pro-social behavior and a whole lot of other stuff, there's heaps of research, you know, social emotional intelligence about how you can learn to improve here. So you can be a better relationship with yourself and a better relationship with others. You know, sometimes you're your own worst enemy sort of thing, right? And then another one is like, if your kid is not, they might enjoy school because they're like friends, but they don't enjoy class because learning's bad, you know? Then again, you need to address that. And you can see that in the, the report cards that you get from the school. You can see that in the objective things like the NAPLAN stuff that you get or at the end of school, you know, but you know, hopefully you've got a bit of a lead indicator. You don't just wait till the end of year 12. <laughs> it's a bit of a black box. And so ultimately, parenting done well means these things are going well. Mm. And from my perspective, again, like intelligence to schools, you see the born smart or you're built smart. Um, I don't know if there's any evidence that you're born smart or built. And built is quantity times quality. And the most important part is quantity, which is work ethic. So if you want to be in the top 10%, you've got to have done top 10% amount of work. And that that is an incredible investment for the rest of your life. And that's actually, versus others, often more than zero. Like to, to, to be, you know, doing this like one hour a week for a six-year-old. That doesn't seem like an excessive amount, right? It's like, you're going to be top quartile <laughs> of this. Like, crap, you know, so, you know pretty good, right? So to me... If you're in on this, change your approach and figure out what is needed to get that to happen. Do you have any thoughts about that, James? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, we always love to hear the ballads of Duncan's, you know, approach to education and what we think is the, the highest order value of, you know, <laughs> setting your children up for life. I don't disagree with what the notion that if you want to be in the top 10%, you should work in the top 10% um, you know, of the population. Like, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so... Whether you think that is like, I think you mentioned last time, you know, pretty much like as a generalization, all West, all Eastern parents like expect their children to get A's. They expect them to achieve very highly. And if they, if they, get, if they come home with a B, there's like hair tearing out and screaming and there's like, you know, sitting them down until they can get an A on that subject. At least that's one of the things that I read. I don't know if there's hair tearing out and screaming, but there might be disappointment and talking to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when you've got a very high value in education, you know, it makes sense that you would then want to say, well, you need to apply, you know, this level of open mindset, which is you work as hard as, 
uh, you know, the top 10%, you, you can expect to achieve as high as the top 10% will. Mm. So, um, so I, I don't think that's necessarily, I, I think it is important to make that distinction so that you don't fall prey to the notion that like, well, they're just smart. They were just gifted with intelligence or anything like that. It's like it's very well, detrimental Western mindset yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Like, like, have you tried working as hard as the top 10%? Like maybe that might change your outcome. Yeah. Or, right. So all of that I think is, is, is fair. What I want to try and like get back to is, you know, education, I do agree is a significant factor of your overall role as a parent, particularly during their childhood years, like right up until they're 18, like this is one of your primary responsibilities to ensure that they have a good education and they are set up well for life. Um, I would probably, I don't know how many other like exclusive dimensions there are, but one of the other ones that we probably haven't had enough time to get into is like for, for any other definition is something around the ability to create long lasting connections. And that is with either friends, that is either with family, and that is with yourself. Uh, so I don't know if it's like healthy emotional intelligence or if it's something about what is your disposition towards how you create long-lasting bonds. But like, you know, you read all of the studies on like Harvard's, um, Harvard studies on long-lasting happiness. It's all about in your relationships. And so I think one of the other really important uh, aspects of being a parent is how to help your child develop long-lasting and rewarding relationships as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, okay. We, so now we're like, we're just off Eastern versus Western into parenting. In parenting. <laughs> <laughs> but let's so, um, this is, I, I don't mind this. Like, um, you should, what I say, work is that you've got to figure out what the end objective is or the destination is what I normally call it. Mm. Because, um, you know, Thomas Sewell, there are no wins, there are only trade-offs. Um, and so, you know, one of them is you only got 24 hours in a day and, you know, whatever, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, eight hours of play, you know, is a standard thing. And I, and I definitely don't believe that you want your child to be doing only academics mm. and nothing else. But I would also say you won't don't want them to be doing zero academics. <laughs> um, and I would say that the standard Western parent in Australia um, is zero in primary school. Right. Um, and that, that is not the case for the standard, you know, <laughs> Eastern parent. There's much more than zero. Um, but to me, this is the thing. Yeah. Friendship. So one of the things that they talk about, say, um, teachers, um, some of them in prep, what they will try to do is foster friendships between students so that everyone's kind of got at minimum a friend, um, not necessarily need to have a best friend. But if there's a kid that has no friends in class, like some of them come in, they know each other from kinder or whatever, right? Um, but some of them are like brand new. And so if you don't have any friends at school, normally you don't look forward to school uh, because you're kind of going there to feel like lonely or a loser or something, right? Um, and so they will proactively try to help kids get friends because that is a massive way to get the right culture in a classroom happening and a kid looking forward to school and all the other stuff, right? Um, and... By the same token, like, do you want good teachers for your your children? Of course. You, as a parent, are a teacher of sorts. Like, oh, God damn it. So do I want to be a good parent? Like, of course you do. And, you know, is it going to make a big difference? Far more than any one teacher is your parenting. You know? <laughs> and I think that for a lot of people, like, if, if you saw, because like you can see, like, from an academic perspective, 
the good teachers, and there's a way they try to measure this, and I'm not necessarily sure I agree with some of these things, but let's take them now. We'll on average get two years of growth in one year. So in each year, you're meant to get one year's growth. Like in James's, you know, younger one, Chloe's going into year one, she should get one year's growth, right? A good teacher does two years growth. A bad teacher does half a year, and an average teacher does one, right? So if you somehow lucked out and you got good teachers every single time, and I'm sure some kid wins the lottery somewhere, but you know, most kids on average get average, right? Um, you know, it's only, and so for sure, one of the metrics is from a parent, like, does your kid look forward to school? Does your kid have friends? Like, and not just that, hopefully a best friend. And can you help foster that? Like, I believe that your, our parents helped foster us being best friends growing up. But once it was kind of set up, they got out of the way. Does your child perform in the top 10% academically? And if not, what are you going to do about it? Like, and, and the answer is something, <laughs> not nothing. Not, oh, my kid's dumb. <laughs> Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know? <laughs> and so, so to me, um, yeah, there are objective ways to know whether your child is hopefully building a strong foundation. And one of the definitions of like of parenting is that you help your children have a foundation upon which they can build whatever life they want. But you're not actually saying, well, now you need to go be a lawyer or now you need to go be like a social worker or whatever, right? Um, and part of that is good, good relationships. And I do think that that is part of what parenting is. Mm. Yeah. So this is where I think it's also helpful using something like the model of Eastern versus Western parenting uh, to try and figure out what do we actually think is the, is the answer or is the approach when we talk about all of these different aspects. Because sure, Eastern parenting and education has a very, very strong correlation um, in terms of like what the focus is, what the measure for success is, and what the, the level of attention um, is given. But then when there's other aspects, this is where I think it's actually, well, I mean, it's, it seems very foreign to us by definition, but when you look at things like, uh, how do we foster independence you know, in our children? How do we create emotional intelligence? How do we give them more agency? This is where I see there being a, you know, a, a wider distinction between the Western and Eastern approach. Notwithstanding the fact that the Western is going through some form of its own kind of like identity crisis and you've got a very a widening schism between the more progressive and conservative factions of people in the Western society, right? You know, like identity, that, that's going through its own um, midlife crisis as well. But I think there's something, there's a lot to be said when you look at from a from a major cultural lens in eastern uh you know culture you are a lot more aligned to the community and aligned to the family as opposed to in western you're aligned to the self and the independent identity and so those will i think lead to quite different outcomes when it comes to fostering things like long-lasting relationships and connection mm. you said something Really interesting in the middle of that, which is something like, are you leading to, was it agency or, or independence? And so does, as an example, the Western approach lead to more self-actualization, independence, agency, and the Eastern approach less? So even though the Eastern approach, let's say, might on average get higher academic performance, mm. it, it leads to on average, less self-actualization, less agency, less creativity. Is that, is that what you were sort of saying yes, in the middle? Definitely one, um, you know, one area that I think would be of interesting for us to, to explore. Yeah. Okay. So, um, cool. I just wanted to make sure I understood. Um, I would say that what you're saying is a standard interpretation, um, but that I don't think it reflects in reality. 
So as an example, the people that do well academically, whatever, normally go on to do, you know, more, we'll call them like, I don't know, higher um, creativity jobs. So whether you're a lawyer or whether you're an engineer or, or whatever else it is, right? Um, these things, if you're working at Google as an engineer, you know, this is creativity. This is not, um, I am sitting here solving mass problems from the book. You know, I do not have these things. And so to me, um, <clears throat> I think the, the way that I think the model works is you're providing people with the base fundamentals. Um, that, and if they have those things, then there is an emergent layer where they can self-actualize or they can self-author if you take Keegan, you know, instead of Maslow's um, approach. So the, the core areas to me are, can you do non-routine maths, which is pure logic? Can you do non-routine science, which is a scientific method? So forming a hypothesis, getting some data, looking at the data, seeing if it's right, updating the hypothesis. Can you do non-routine communication, which is like what we're doing now, discussion, two-way real-time reading comprehension, or it's like, you know, email or things. And that's like humanities. So that's math, science, humanities. Then you also, I think, want to have enough background knowledge, which I call the knowledge curriculum, to understand the world, to therefore be able to have it be interesting. As uh, I think we agree on quite a lot, the more you know about something, normally the more interesting it is. Not just something's naturally interesting to me, and so other things are naturally not interesting to me. Like things that I understand can't be interesting, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, to me, if you have all those areas together, enough background knowledge can do non-routine communication, can do non-routine science, scientific method, can non-routine maths. You have the fundamental elements upon which you can do self-authoring or self-actualization, innovation, you know, um, and that this is not a function of independence or your smart or dumb, which is typically Western, or your personality, you find your passion, which is another typical Western thing, which again, I think is quite unreflective of how the world actually is. So to me, I don't believe there is a trade-off in terms of this. In fact, I think the best thing you can do to help your children be able to self-actualize, to be able to invent or to figure out what they want to do is to help them perform well academically because almost all jobs are knowledge work now. And that's like, so some people will be a sports person and some person will be a musician, but you know, the vast majority of us are going to be knowledge workers. And the best fundamental or foundation you can provide people is good academic outcomes. And that is not rote learning. That is actually what, you know, called conceptual learning um, or ability to innovate. So I, I think it's a, a false dichotomy or misnomer that was put forward that you put forward. Um, I think the best way to help is the Eastern approach. Does that make any sense? Um, well, I mean, it is a perspective. So let me offer mine. But I think the data backs this up. Like doing well at school means on average, you go to like in the US, what you better you need to better degrees, then you get better jobs and those jobs are more creative. So all else equal, generally the higher paying a job, the more creative it is. So this is not what well, you did well and now you're screwed. Right. You know, you can't get a job and these things. So to me, I don't believe there is evidence that can support what you put forward. I, I, I see it differently. First of all, I think you can find data to support that notion when you look where you want to look, right? Because when you look at people going from Eastern countries to the West, getting the highest paying, the most creative jobs, that is the like significant minority of the entire culture who are experiencing the highest end of their success through that approach. What I think is much more broad range when you look at an entire cultural um, apparatus is the two things that I think about is one, critical thinking, and two, uh, exercising independent um, capacity. So 
critical so thinking. Don't tell me critically. The people that do better academically are shown to do better there. Whether, and so yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Westerners or the Easterners. Um, so doing well academically is highly correlated with that. Not, okay, well, people that did bad academically can do critical thinking better than the people that did well academically. So there isn't a correlation there. So to me, I don't see a trade-off. Right. Well, what I'm talking about is when you look at Eastern-style parenting, what seems to be cited often is parents reserve all decision-making for themselves, for the child. But they're not encouraged to give to exercise any form of agency or autonomy from an early age. And it's generally made everything decided for them all the way up until who they marry in some parts of it. Um, I think that's... That is very extreme, James. Is it on average more things are significantly? Yes. Is it 100%? No. And that's, that's like a very no. large oversimplification. Okay. So, so on average, say, do Easterners have more input? Yes. Yeah. Is it 100% of everything they've ever done? No. No. And so, so for you to say that, I think is very, very right. difficult and absurd, frankly. Then I misspoke. Then on average, they do a lot more of the decision-making. Yes. But does on that average, lead to less agency like in critical thinking? I don't mm -hmm. think there's any evidence of that. So, uh, yeah. So what I've well, there isn't, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So what I've seen is, and I can't remember what the study was, but there was a. Um, it was basically pointing to the fact that once you get out of university in parts of age and cultures, they start to struggle because they haven't got the same level of capabilities in things like first principle thinking, critical reasoning. Can't remember what it was, um, but it was coming back to this idea that. From the early years, they have prioritized the actual academic result rather than the fundamental aspects of what it means to be able to think critically. If I can find it, I'll I'll put it in the I'll, I'll share it with you, Duncan. So we can put it in the show notes. But that was my first kind of like uh, hypothesis. The second one is in Eastern culture, you are um, it it appears that there is a high emphasis on subverting yourself to your family, um, being submissive to your parents, but also living with them longer. And the expectation is that you are there to appease them in general, as opposed to the expectation being that, you know, you, the parent is there to help you as a child because, you know, you didn't really get a stay in being born or not um, at all. And that children generally, generally leave home earlier in Western cultures because they go off to live in universities or they go off to, um, to live independently. Uh, and not look after their parents as a result of it. Now, there is something to be said about looking after your parents later in, in their later years, but that's uh, a step, a side point to this notion of independent uh, capacity. Sure. Um, all right, because we're right out there, let's just do summaries. I'll, I'll say one thing, like, uh, academically doing well in whatever it is, A-levels, APs in the US, you know, A-levels in the UK, you know, VC, HSC in Victoria, New South Wales and Australia, um, correlates very highly with job success, life satisfaction, you know, relationship quality, li li lifespan, health span, et cetera, right? Um, like, and so this is at a macro level. And so those doing well, you need to be able to think critically to do well in your job. Just because you did well, say, at the end of school, um, if you then fail at your job, then obviously there's something, there's some sort of problem here, but that, that doesn't happen on average. Like, so, th so I don't know what study you're referring to, but writ large, there is a very, very, very strong correlation between well academically at school and doing well in your career. It's not perfect, but it's much better. So on average, kids that do poorly at, in the school do poorly career, and on average, kids that do well. I think people sort of know that. And have they seen, you know, I don't know, Asian kid 
you know, year 12 did well and then is like, you know, on average, you know, five weeks, you know, no. And so to me, I don't see this is supported to this. Right, my summary, I think I like it was like Eastern versus Western parenting. When it sort of started, it was like, do people make active choices about this? And um, I see on average, Western is not on average, every single Western person I know is doing Western parenting, right? And the, the Easterners, if they are, they literally moved here. So that, so they, you know, um, I don't know, came here and they had kids, you know, after they got here, they're doing pro hardcore Eastern. But if they're first generation immigrants, so for instance, their parents moved here and the Easterners, then they're somewhere in between. It's, it's like hilarious, right? So they could form to the stereotypes to an almost absurd degree. Um, and this, you know, I'm not sort of saying like Eastern is better than Western or something. I think that you need to have the nuance and I suppose it's an over sort of simplification. Um, and what I'm kind of getting to now is that I think there are external objective metrics that you can look at to understand whether what you're doing is working or not. And so one of those, like, do they look forward to going to school? And I remember speaking to Izzy and she does. I was like, do you like school, Izzy? She's like, yeah, I love school, blah, blah, blah. She just said that, you know, and I just, you know, it's an eight-year-old. She's not like, I don't know, trying to lie to me for some reason. And, you know, I was like, you know, who do you have friends? Who is your friends? And she's talking about, you know, her friends. And so like, to me, she says she loves school. She says that she's got very good friends. Those are two core tenets of parenting. If your child doesn't like school, doesn't have friends, there is part of the responsibility on the parent, a big part. Um, but then there's also, are they doing well academically? And I have high expectations of what this is. And if they're not, fix it. And this is, to me, the, one of the main responsibilities of being a parent, not kid responsibility. Um, I would also hope that they are doing extracurriculars beyond just academics and friends. Um, personally, I would put team sport above things like music um, and, say, drama. Um, but, you know, um, you know, this is me. Um, and so, yeah, to me, being a parent, what is a good parent? You can know objectively through how your child is going through life, whether this is there or not. And if they aren't, you should look to change something to get that to be the case. And you just roll through strategy after strategy until you find something that works. Um, also, you should be looking at like speaking to experts and reading books and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, yeah, that's my summary. <laughs> Exactly. All right. So this discussion started off with the best of intentions of remaining focused on the uh, distinctions between uh, approaches in parenting uh, across Eastern versus Western cultures. Uh, I think we started well with the focus being on how we approach or how different cultures approach education. Uh, but then it kind of like then became, you know, as with the Eastern style of parenting, the main focus of this conversation as well. That's not to say that education isn't important. I think it's wildly important. I think it's one of the main tenets of, um, you know, your responsibility as a parent, at least while your children are children, uh, before they become fully formed adults. Um, I think we did try and explore a few other areas in terms of how we can see the Eastern versus Western approaches differ. So things like, you know, exercising uh, independence, how you discipline, what the family structure looks like, we didn't really get into any of the other elements like emotional openness, decision-making, risk, mm. socialization, <laughs> communication styles, or problem solving. Um, but I do think we did cover the main thing, which is it's not necessarily one extreme or the other. There is some semblance of balance, but at the end of the day, it's about being thoughtful in your approach, thinking about how you're going to be able to apply things consistently because i do believe children require structure not just open inconsistent and chaos uh 
and the main two things that uh, I think really help with helping to with guiding your role as a parent and your journey with your children is how are you laying the foundation for them to create the best possible life for themselves and that one part is education but the other one is how are you setting them up to be able to form long-lasting relationships and building um, positive connections in the world as well cool all right Dunsky, um, thanks a lot, James. Um, I'm going to stop the recording here um, and um, we'll speak to you soon. All right, thank you. Cheers.